Welcome to the Blue Stocking Baptist podcast. My name is Hannah Oliver, and I'm here with my co-host, Esther Faulkner. Esther and I are both particular Baptists who hold to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. The Blue Stocking Baptist podcast is an informal podcast for women with intelligent and literary interests related to Christian doctrine and life. Esther and I both have a passion to see unbelievers come to the faith, and so we hope our material will be used for the furtherance of God's kingdom. We also have a passion for equipping women with the tools they need to exercise discernment. We desire to see more women understand and love the deep theology that's found in God's word. If you're a regular listener, you know that Esther's been gone for the past four weeks. Her and her husband, Joey, have been out of state. They've been taking very intense classes to prepare to be sent to Ecuador as missionaries. Esther, would you like to tell us a little bit about how that went, what you learned? Yeah. How how you're feeling? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Finally, getting back into the swing of things, we got back home on a couple of days ago, and the the first weekend we were home, it was kind of, we still felt out of our elements and now we're getting into the swing of things. Joey's gone back to work and now I'm helping getting, setting up our meetings for uh, partnership and trying to digest all that we learned. We learned a lot. We got to meet a ton of awesome missionaries um, going all over the world. It was really encouraging and we definitely It was like drinking out of a fire hose, Um, (laughs) but it was, it was great. We got a lot of material that we'll be able to help um, uh, strengthen our church and um, hopefully we'll be able to use in Ecuador also. So it was, it was great, Um, but we, we missed home. We got to come back and I got to meet my little brother. So um, that was, that was a nice reunion. And Uh, he was glad. And he was born while you were gone. So yes, the first time that you're meeting him. Yep. Yep. Little Micah. Mm -hmm. He's a cute little thing. (laughs) So in your opinion, what was the most important thing that you learned? What was the most beneficial thing? Ooh, that's a good one. So really biggest thing that we learned, um, we took a two or a a two week course on just systematic theology. We read a 900 page theology book in two weeks. Um, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, biggest thing that we learned was basically like how to teach the material. Um, and we learned where to find, you know, a lot of like half the battle is knowing where to find something. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we did. Um, and then the second, uh, the second set of courses, the roots of faith, new Testament and old Testament, um, we really learned how to do, you know, activities because there's different types of learners um, and, and learned how to how to tell the basically explaining systematic theology through storying. Like so instead oral. of, yeah, yeah. Being able to to get out of a textbook and be able to apply it to people who not necessarily, you know, they might not be on an exceptional reading level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really beneficial. That's awesome. I was curious if they had more of a focus on, I forget what the word is, but it is oral, oral learning, I think is what it is. Yeah, definitely. There was definitely a mix because even within our, our class, we had people that some people would have been great just filling out a workbook and Mm -hmm. then other people needed to get up and move around and put their hands on things. Um, So we had a mix. It was, it was really good though. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So on today's episode, we're talking about repentance. Um, we planned this to come af- right after our episode on sin. So these two kind of go together. Um, and then, you know, Hannah did her, did the episodes on kindness, which I think was well-planned. And um, what was the other one? The Baptist catechism one. <laughs> Esther has failed to be a good <laughs> talking Baptist podcast. I have to catch up. I she has to catch up. Because that 900-page book that put her behind. For real. Yeah. (laughs) But hopefully Esther trusts me enough and doesn't – hopefully I didn't say anything that was heretical. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking – I was like, if she said anything heretical, I'm sure our people would let us know. (laughs) Would pounce on me? (laughs) Someone would come after me? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So anyways, on today's episode, we're talking about repentance Uh, And I guess to kind of start off, we wanted to, you know, just explain how important we think repentance repentance is. So early on in Jesus's ministry, he proclaimed, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that continued to be a theme of what he preached. That was actually one of one of the first things that that he preached. And I believe the first thing that John the Baptist preached, the the one and only thing that... um, Stephen preached, and that actually ended up resulting in him dying for his message of repentance. Uh, Jesus later um, said that he came not to call the righteous, but instead to call the sinners to repentance. Mm -hmm. So the idea of repent and repentance is obviously important. In the New Testament, the key term for repentance is metanoia, and I'm probably saying that wrong. I think it's metanoia. Metanoia? Yeah, but that's just based off of I feel like I've heard it said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it is Greek, right? Yes, it's Greek. Right. <laughs> it's Greek. And the usual uh, sense that the, that word is used in the New Testament is to explain a change of mind or, or and uh, regret or remorse. Uh, the background of the New Testament term for repentance is the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, repentance goes beyond changing one's mind um, but also changing one's actions and emotions, but not mere, it's not merely like emotionalism where you just cry and say, you're sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, It went beyond that. Uh, Repentance is changing the desires of our hearts, which results in a new way of living, um, a new way of living out our lives. Yeah. So Ezekiel included God's call to the people of Israel, repent, turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. That was in 14.6. And he also said, repent, turn away from all your offenses. That was in 18.30. And turn, turn from your evil ways, 33.11. So you also see that repentance was a theme in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. This wasn't something new that was being taught to the people of God. It's something that God has always called his people to. Yeah. Another, Another great example of repentance in the Old Testament is when Israel was traveling toward Canaan, toward the promised land, and they are complaining about, like normal, Israel is complaining about the manna that they're given, and they're saying this food sucks, basically, mm-hmm. and the the result of that is God sends fiery serpents to bring judgment on the people, mm-hmm. and then God provides through Moses a means for them to turn and repent. So I think 
it's definitely, it's not just a New Testament concept. It's very much an Old Testament concept as well. And in that story, God commands the people to look at the serpent. All they have to do is look. And so the same is true for us as Christians. We look to Jesus for our justification. That's what cleanses us of sin. And I do think that there can be confusion of the gospel call and the gospel. And so the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the gospel call is to repent right. and believe what Jesus has done for you in the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. R.C. Sproul, um, he expressed a, a definition of repentance as a change of one's mind in respect to one's behavior, which is kind of what we've, we've already said. It, it's mm -hmm. a, it seems to be a general consensus that, uh, you know, most people define repentance, uh, more, most Orthodox people would define repentance as a change of one's mind, and that results in, uh, you know, a change of behavior, change of our emotions, and just our general posture towards mm -hmm. our sin. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it makes me think of that as Christians, we're told that we are born again. And if we're born again, something new is occurring in our life. We're having a change inwardly that will result in a change outwardly. So repentance is not just an intellectual change of mind. It is admitting fault, repenting of sin, which may be a behavior, and turning to Christ who is washed and justified, those who by faith believe in him. St. Clair Ferguson, in his book, The Grace of Repentance, says, quote, Biblical repentance, then, is not merely a sense of regret that leaves us where it found us. It is a radical reversal that takes us back along the road of our sinful wanderings creating in us a completely different mindset, unquote. He says elsewhere, regret there will be, but the heart of repentance is the lifelong moral and spiritual turnaround of our lives as we submit to the Lord, unquote. So it seems like it's really clear that Ferguson here is, is basically getting at the idea that repentance is not just the, I'm sorry for what I did. It's, it's a complete change. Um, which I think that's a, a, a big problem in modern evangel evangelicalism because of the, the prominent teaching of easy believism, where it's just you repent with the definition of repentance in that, that theological frame is just saying sorry for what you did and not having any intention to not do it again. Instead, it's just, okay, I know I sin, so I just confess my sin, and, you know, next time I'll just do the same thing, which I think is a really dangerous practice because that's not, real, that's not re repentance. That's just saying you're sorry, you know, yeah. and there's, there's a big difference between saying you're sorry and then repenting where you, you know, you try to not do that thing again. Yeah, I think it's important to get a working definition of what repentance is. So we have to ask the question, what is repentance? And the Bible tells us that repentance is to turn from evil and to turn to good. J.C. Ryle has a really good um, explanation of how to identify what repentance looks like. It's called the five marks of repentance. And the first mark is it begins with a knowledge of sin. And so we've talked in the past of what sin is in our, in our episode on sin. And 
we, we know what sin is because the law of God has revealed it to us. Um, two, it will produce sorrow for sin. So that is, you would, you would see your sin in the law of God being exposed to you or your sin would be exposed to you. You would recognize that it's sin and then you would respond in sorrow because you understand that it's an offense to a holy God. The third mark would be producing confession of sin. That means to not only have knowledge and sorrow in recognizing it, but also responding in a way of um, repentance. And so confessing to God, asking him to forgive you of your sin. The fourth mark is it produces a breaking off from sin. So that would be, so you'd have your confession and then you would have the turning away from it and rejection of sin and embracing the good of the law of God and seeing it as, seeing it as good. And so you would break away from that. And the fifth one is it produces a deep hatred of sin. And so you begin to recognize that sin is a work of evil and while we still do sin in our life, we also recognize that it is not good and it is not holy and it is not pleasing to God and we desire to be free from sin. And that's when we begin to look forward to the glorification um, of being with our Lord where we will no longer sin. And that is the, the great anticipation in our lives of waiting for that consummation of all things is to be free from sin. So Esther, do you want to add anything from what I've kind of said? So just kind of digging into those, those five marks of repentance a little further. Um, we, we talked about it in our sin episode, knowing what sin is. And, and the way that we know what sin is is how God has clearly defined what sin is through, through his law. Um, the law of God shows us our sin. It works as a mirror. Um, it provokes exposes and condemns sin, um, but that's without being tainted by it or bringing deliverance uh, from it. The, the law of God is not a means to be saved. Mm -hmm. um, it merely shows us our sin and shows us how we compare in moral standards to God mm -hmm. um, and, and shows how, how it shows our need of, of a savior. Uh, second, uh, the second uh, second mark was uh, produces a sorrow for our sin. Um, a great example of that would be um, David, uh, King David. Yeah, so like Esther was saying, a good example of that is David um, in Psalm 51. And it's David calling out to God. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit of it just to give you an idea of what sorrow for sin looks like. Um, he says in verse one, David does have mercy on me. O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before you against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the in, in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hassop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the book let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my, my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach your transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltlessness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. I ended up reading the whole thing because I couldn't find a good place to stop because the whole thing yeah. is really Could you imagine like that being, you know, when, when we sin, that being the type of prayer that we have to God is, is that kind of that sorrow over our sin. It's amazing. And so if you don't know the context of this verse, it comes right after David had, um, had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had taken her from Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband, and then he murdered Uriah to cover his sin because Bathsheba fell pregnant with a child. And so he, he is responding because, I mean, so the prophet Nathan had come to David and exposed David's sin to him and told David a parable about a a a ewe lamb and when David did not realize that Nathan was telling a story about him and mm-hmm. so David made a judgment on this man who he believed was not himself and it, it David the man is you I think that's kind of the words that Nathan used David began to have sorrow for his sin because he recognized now he has knowledge of his own sin, and now he has sorrow. And so throughout this story, it's his repentant prayer to God. And you see, there's so many important things in this verse, but you see that David is saying, only against you I have sinned, O God. Even though David did both sin against Bathsheba and Uriah, he recognizes that ultimately the heart of our sin is against a holy God. And yes, it does affect other people, and we can sin against other people, but it is against God first and foremost, and we need to repent to him. Um, talks about original sin. He talks about um, a desire to delight in the in his in God's truth, and he he pleads with the Lord to purge him of sin, um, to restore him to um, to the joy of God's salvation. Uh, I mean, there's so many really important things in this. I also really love verse 17. That's the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. There's a really good book by John Bunyan on this topic, on this verse, talking about what that means. And it's about repentance and having a broken and contrite heart over our sin. And just before that, David is talking about that God does not delight in sacrifices or he's not pleased with burnt offerings, which were an old or, or old Testament practice without Mm -hmm. repentance because if there is no repentance there is no change of heart and you Mm -hmm. also see that in isaiah the people were going to the temple and they were kind of going through the motions and and worshiping god in the temple but there was no real heart change they didn't actually love god and love their neighbor they were not repentant of their sin they were doing it out of mere piety and religion rather than true worship and reverence to God. And so 
God wants our, our true worship and the repentance that is a fruit of true salvation in our lives. And so merely just repenting to repent, but not actually feeling sorry for your sin or recognizing that it is sin does not please God. So, and neither does any kind of works righteousness. So thinking, oh, I've sinned. Well, I know how to make God happy. I'll read my Bible more. I'll pray more. I'll Mm -hmm. go serve at the soup kitchen. I'll start volunteering in my, my, the nursery at our church. Those things will not cover your sin. They will not cleanse you from sin. You have to repent and turn to Christ. And First John 1 John 1.9 also reminds us that if we, confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just a matter of recon, recognizing our sin, the Lord will forgive us. We don't have to do works of righteousness to please God because that won't save us. And right. it can't cleanse us from our sin. So, yeah. That example of David is really, really great because it fits into the, the last three points of the marks of repentance that, um, that Ryle penned um, because he, in that, in, his, in that psalm that she read, he confesses his sin and he renounces the sin and, and turns away from it. And it, it's very clear that he hated that sin that he um, committed and longed to be free from uh, his... his uh, imprisonment in in the fleshly desires uh, of death of our sin so that's a really good example so i'd i'd encourage any of our listeners to to meditate on on that psalm this week and um just marvel at this picture of repentance that we see and try to enact that in our own lives Mm -hmm. so next we kind of want to talk about how repentance goes hand in hand with faith not that repentance is faith or that they, they're not the same thing, but they, they do, they are very closely related in our conversion. So we're going to share a couple of quotes by famous preachers because they explain how repentance goes hand to hand with faith much better than I ever could. Um, (laughs) especially because it's, I find it very tricky to explain this because you have to be very careful with your words. So this first quote is by J.C. Ryle, and it says, quote, true repentance is never alone in the heart of any person. It always has a companion, a blessed companion. It is always accompanied by lively faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherever faith is, there is repentance. Wherever repentance is, there is always faith. I do not decide which comes first, whether repentance comes before faith or faith before repentance, but I am bold to say that the two graces are never found separate, one from the other. Just as you cannot have sun without light or ice without cold or fire without heat or water without moisture, you will never find true faith without true repentance, and you will never find true repentance without lively faith. The two things will always go side by side. And that quote kind of reminds me of James 2, where it talks about faith without works or yeah. What is it? Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James two talks about how faith without works is dead. And you see that if there is not true repentance connected to a lively faith, like James is talking about, it's evidence that that person is not connected to the vine, the true vine, which is Christ. And so when we are justified, we are, we are brought into union with Christ, the vine, and we are justified, made right with God. 
our salvation is secure eternally. We are always connected to that vine. But we can see that if someone does not have true repentance, true sorrow over sin, the five different marks that Juicy Ryle expressed, or there is not a similar response to our sin like David, it could be evidence that that person is not united to the vine who is Christ. Not that repentance unites you to the vine, but that it could be evidence that you were never actually connected to begin with. Because if you're connected to the root, which is Christ, you will, you will produce fruit and it will be good fruit because you're connected to Christ. And repentance is not only a grace, but also a, a good fruit that grows out of right relationship with God. Um, Esther, do you want to add anything of what you think about that quote? Um, just, just the, the illustration that you bring up with the, the vine and the branches. I think that's an, an excellent example to look to um, seeing as it's, it's not separated from each other. The faith and repentance is not separate from each other. Um, they go hand in hand. And that is one of the outgrowths of, of faith, I think, would be, mm-hmm. would be repentance. And it's not just one-time repentance. It's a life of repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, repentance uh, flourishes because of our faith. So we also have uh, another great quote by Sinclair Ferguson. He says, salvation is salvation from sin. That means more than forgiveness. It includes sanctification, mm-hmm. a transformed life. It involves those who are saved in, turning, in a turning away from sin. That turning away is repentance. There can be no salvation if we continue in sin. Does this mean that we are forgiven on the basis of our repentance? Not at all. Repentance and faith are both necessary for salvation, but they are related to justification in different ways. Faith alone is the instrument by which Christ is is received and restored and rested, rested on as Savior. Justification is by faith, not by repentance, but faith and therefore justification cannot exist where there is no repentance. Repentance is necessary to salvation by faith as the ankle is to walking. The one does not act apart from the other. I cannot come to Christ in faith without turning from sin in repentance. So that really addresses what, what we've already hit on is the making the clear distinction between faith and, and repentance and not confusing the two and not calling uh, a work of sanctification what justifies us, mm-hmm. um, which very dangerous to do. Um, it's very important to, to uh, identify the, the separation between those two uh, works of God's grace. And it's so important because if you're someone who is prone to look to your fruit and say, okay, I'm not reading the Bible enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not doing enough good works. And then you question your salvation. Am I really saved? That's really dangerous because now you're confusing justification and sanctification. You're looking at your sanctification to give you assurance of salvation when you should be looking to Christ in the gospel for assurance. So our assurance in the Christian life is the gospel. What Christ has done, it is accomplished. Christ says it is finished. Those are his last words before he relinquishes his spirit. And so we need to look to the finished work of Christ for our assurance. If our confession is pure, if we truly do believe in the gospel, 
if we love the Lord, if we have faith in him, we are saved. And so sanctification is a process. It can take a long time. It can look like hills and valleys. I mean, even look at David. Mm -hmm. There'd be some people in today's context who would have looked at David and said, David is not saved because they would have judged his sin as as evidence that he was never justified. And while our fruits are indi can be indica an indication that we're not connected to the vine, we ultimately can't make a judgment of whether someone is truly justified on the basis of their fruit alone. It's what they believe that truly shows evidence that they're not connected to the vine. And you will see bad fruit does produce a bad confession and that people who produce bad fruit do not really believe in the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and that can sometimes take time to recognize or, or see. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, that is your security. That is your assurance. So don't be looking to your works of righteousness to feel, to feel that you are accepted before God. And I don't think that we even recognize that we do this. You may be thinking like, oh, I know I'm justified by faith. I know, I know, I know. But then yet you have no assurance because you're continually looking to your sanctification rather than to Christ. Um, so there's another quote that we have by Burke Parson, and it says, quote, first and foremost, repentance is a gift. It is an act that the Holy Spirit works in us, resulting in an act that flows out of us. Although it is our act, it does not originate from within us. In fact, in our naturally stubborn, rebellious hearts, the whole notion of repentance is foreign. Just as our righteousness is a foreign or alien righteousness from Christ, so our repentance, it is granted to us by God himself. We would not even conceive of such a thing left to ourselves, unquote. So this quote is just a reminder that repentance as well as faith are both gifts of God. And yes, Parson also says that like it is also our act. We still have responsibility. We still should cultivate good spiritual disciplines in our lives and walk in obedience and grow in holiness. But it is still God's work in us as well. He is giving us a new heart. He's giving us the ability to churn. He gives us faith. Um, and these are things, again, that we can rest in Christ. So if we look at our lives and it kind of looks like good and bad, good and bad, good and bad, and it's a constant up and down and it's a battle with our flesh, we know that um, there's a verse in Philippians uh, 1, 6 that says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so we can be encouraged that we will persevere in the faith, that we will be sanctified, that we will continue to grow, grow in holiness if we are connected to the vine, which is Christ. Carson continues and says, quote, instead, we would come up with all sorts of excuses for our sin and would point our depraved fingers at everyone else around. But by his grace, God grants repentance to his adopted children, whom he patiently disciplines, those whom I loved, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. For even when our minds grow weary and our hearts doubt the promises of God, he remains faithful to his promises and patient towards his people in the church, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And in that quote, he, uh, he quotes Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 19 and Second uh, Peter 3, 9. Um, I think that's a, a, a great uh, addition to um, explaining how 
God is the source of our repentance. It's, it's through the Holy Spirit interacting and indwelling in our lives and that we reach a state where, where we are repenting of our sins and turning back to God. Yeah, absolutely. So repentance is a necessary consequence of our new birth. So when you're in union with Christ, like we've been talking about, you will repent. You will turn from sin. You will be sanctified because sanctification is also a gift from God, like we've been talking about. And repentance will be expressed in our Christian walk if we are truly regenerated. And regenerated is being born again, being um being given a new heart. So like the quotes are expressing, um, we're not saved by repentance. Repentance is not faith and obedience is not faith. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. However, true conversion always has the fruit of repentance evidenced in a person's life. So we're also going to talk about what the London Baptist Confession says on repentance and since it's what Esther and I hold to, um, Chapter three says the saving repentance is an evangelical grace whereby a person by the Holy Spirit made sensible of the manifold evils of his sin doth by faith in Christ humble himself for it with godly sorrow, distestation of it and self abhorrency, praying for pardon and strength of grace with a purpose and endeavor by supplies of the spirit to walk before God unto all well-pleasing in all things. Chapter four says, as repentance is to be continued through the whole course of our lives. So like Esther's been saying, it's a continual thing. Upon the account of this body of death and the motions thereof. So it is every man's duty to repent of his particular known sins. Chapter five says, such is the provision which God hath made through Christ in the covenant of grace for the preservation of believers unto salvation, that although there is no sin so small, but it deserves damnation, yet there is no sin so great that it shall bring damnation on them that repent, which makes the constant preaching of repentance necessary. That's a great summary. Um, definitely a great summary. So basically, in summary, um, you know, we want to recap what what it, what does repentance do? Uh, repentance restores our joy in the Lord and causes us to rejoice in His salvation. Repentance recovers us from Satan's snare and refreshes us when we are weary of sin. It also puts our attention back on God, and it acknowledges it, it helps us acknowledge that it is God who saves. Um, you know, we saw in the psalm that Hannah read uh, where David is, is repenting in that. You see where he, he confesses his sin, he uh, grows to loathe his sin, and then ultimately the end of the psalm points to the goodness of God and how God saves us. So you see the transition where it's like, woe is me, to whoa, I'm wicked to, wow, you know, how good God is. So it yeah. gets our attention off of ourselves and puts the attention back onto God. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's a wonderful benefit of, of repentance, leading us back to God. So when we fall in sin, we should remember that Jesus died on the cross for that sin and to ask for forgiveness and then trust Jesus to help us to be more like him by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And that, that shows, you know, that again, that distinction between faith and repentance in that, that repentance is not the cause of, of our, of our salvation. It's what Christ has already done and accomplished. 
Um, and as we walk with the Lord, we realize how much we need his help. Um, constantly, uh, you see over the life of a Christian, uh, as sanctification continues, we constantly are, are, are being shown things that we do that are sinful, that break God's law, that we need to repent of and turn away from and turn towards Christ. Uh, it's our natural tendency to try and do good works to cover up our sin, but sin always manages to come to light. And it's only by looking to Christ, what he's already accomplished, and through the work of the Holy Spirit that we turn from our old way and put on Christ. And just remembering that the new putting on Christ is a gift of God's grace through faith. It's not something that we construct ourselves I think is is very beneficial and ultimately that's the clearest picture of repentance uh, resources that we're going to add to our show notes uh, one of those is the eight steps for real repentance from psalm 51 which is the psalm that you read right hannah mm-hmm. yep um and uh we're, that's a that's an article that we're going to post uh, along with the show notes and we we might have some other resources uh uh such as the where we got those quotes from Sinclair Ferguson and where you can find the five marks of repentance um, by uh, J.C. Ryle. We'll link those also in the resources. I will also link all of the verses that we read, some of the verses we did not mention. So we just read them, but we didn't quote them. So I'll put all of the verses in our show notes. I will also add, um, there are, I think it's two podcasts by Doctrine and Devotion where they take the 1689 and they um, explain in depth what the 1689 teaches on repentance. I found those really helpful. I will also add, just because I think it's important to this conversation, um, a Theology Gals podcast episode on Lordship Salvation Controversy. If you know what I'm talking about, that's great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, I would encourage you to listen to it because I actually come from more of a Lordship Salvation background understanding of repentance. And so um, it took me a really long time to understand that repentance and faith were different in relation to justification, kind of like what St. Clair Ferguson said. And so I would confuse the two for a long time. um, And I would think that I would, I would mix my faith and repentance in a way that made repentance faith. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I think it's really, really important to understand the controversy and how it may have influenced you and your understanding of justification, sanctification, as well as law and gospel. Um, I think I'll also add Theology Gal's Law Gospel episode as well to come full circle. Yeah, Um, sounds good. Is there anything else that you can think of that you'd want to add? Oh, I also am going to add, just because I mentioned it, John Bunyan's book. It's super short. Um, I haven't read it in full, but I found it really helpful when when I had started reading it. So other than that, we just want to remind all of our listeners that we do believe that everyone is a theologian. We say this every week and that you're either a good one or a bad one. So our hope with our podcast is to stir in women a love for good theology and to encourage women in their faith as they walk in obedience and grow in holiness. We want to remind everyone that our podcast is only a tool. It is not church and it does not replace discipleship. And we encourage all of our listeners to find a local church and become a member. We have resources on our website for those who are seeking a church and we are always happy to help anyone who is struggling to find a healthy church. You can email us at thebluestockingbaptist at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at the Blue Stocking Baptist or on Twitter at Sheep Baptists. 
We also have a Patreon if you would like to support our ministry financially. And just as a reminder, please be praying for Esther and her husband, Joey, um, as they continue to prepare for um, becoming missionaries. Pray that um, God will open doors for them to have an easy transi transition and to make their financial goals on time. Um, it's really important that they meet their financial goals. So if you and your husband or just you as an individual have been looking for an opportunity to serve other Christians, um, whether it's financially or through prayer, Esther is a perfect candidate for you to consider. Um, like she was saying earlier, she, her and her husband are setting up um, meetings with people over the phone, over FaceTime to talk about their ministry and what God is doing in their lives. So if you're interested in that, you can message us, email us, tweet us, or send Esther a personal Facebook message if you're friends with her on Facebook. Um, and also, if you enjoy our podcast, please do share it with your friends and family. Our podcast will reach more women if our listeners are sharing our podcast with other people. So please like, share, comment. Let others know that it's blessed you if it has blessed you. If it hasn't blessed you, then don't share it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and we want to end with a verse for you to meditate on. Matthew 3, 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So again, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We pray that this episode has blessed you. We hope that it has given you a better understanding of what repentance is and how it is related to faith. And we hope that you join us next time. God bless, ladies. <laughs>